Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are finishing up Romans. Uh, Maybe today, maybe next time, we'll see where this goes today. But I wanted to change it up a little. I've been really working on Romans, and it's complicated. (laughs) And I've read books, I have delved into the scriptures, I have written notes, I've written more notes, I've gone back to the scriptures, I've gone, I just, I feel like I'm doing the legwork on this for us, and yet, um, some pretty exciting stuff, I like what I was coming up with, but nothing resonated, and then I just had an interesting thing just happen. So as I was sitting at my desk and I had all these books spread out and notes and uh, trying to prep for for a next recording, a friend of mine is came by and uh, so he sat down and he just said, "Well, what are you what are you studying?" And I said, "Romans." And after we had a discussion about the delights of ramen noodles, which is what he thought I said, I said, "No, no, not noodles. Um, although they are delicious, Romans. You know, the Apostle Paul." Uh, the letter to the Romans. And he says, oh, yeah, Paul. And I said, well, what are you learning about Paul? And I, I thought about it and I said, well, Paul's talking about this relationship about faith and works. And he kind of looked at me. Now, this is a good saint. I mean, he knows what I'm talking about, but he's like, okay, boring. I said, well, you know, he's talking about how we put the atonement to work in our lives and what we have to do. And he was telling ancient people, so whether they were New Testament people or there were people that were Jews in those days that became Christians, he was using a bunch of analogies trying to explain how it works. I said, all right, well, what's the relationship? And, you know, it made me really think. It made me take a step back. And and we had this interesting discussion, which I thought, I'm just going to share that with you because we thought this really resonated with the two of us. And so I went back. I said, well... You know, something I think that the the church, maybe we get wrong. Okay, maybe we don't get it wrong, but maybe as members of the church, we get too caught up in this, the wrong part of this relationship um, that Paul's trying to describe. So just like the Jews, we're a little bit like that today. And he said, well, what are you you talking about? I said, well, you know, do you ever get kind of discouraged? I mean, you ever felt like that going to church? You're like, well, this is discouraging Um, because, you know, even when I try, I, I, I try and try and try, I just... I never quite make it. And so it's discouraging. I don't want to keep trying. We we call that the case of the screw-ups around here. You say, well, you know, just screw it. Well, forget it. I'm not even going to try anymore because I'm never going to figure it out. And I think that's that's a little bit like works, right? That's a little bit of the law. That's a little bit we call justification by works. If I if I try to save myself, it's just, it's impossible. I can't do it. And and I think what we do a little bit is we put Christ over to the side and we say, well, I'll, I'm just going to do better. And then maybe we do better and, until we don't <laughs> and we mess up and we sin and we make a mistake. And 
sometimes it's a small one and sometimes it's a big one and sometimes it's something we just maybe do over and over and so it we just get the screw it's all screw it i'm not going to do that anymore right and maybe it's church or or we double down and try harder but eventually right something else comes up and we just we figured out and i said well that's kind of like paul that's what paul's telling us that's not really how it works it's more like mm, a football game it's more like playing football and and paul tells us hey there's good news the the bad news is that we're terrible football players he calls it sin right we all are sin so we're terrible football players so some of us might run fast and some can throw and some are really great receivers but frankly none of us are going to get it right all the time i mean if you're if you're the best receiver in the world you're still going to drop the ball um and and you might catch a lot of passes but you're going to drop it right i mean you might be the best kicker but you're going to shank it every once in a while and miss and if you're a blocker you're going to miss a block or you're going to get sick and not come to work that day or whatever it is but you're you're eventually not going to make it and he says that's justification by works and and that's not how it works he says if you live by the law then every time you drop it well you're out of luck and that drop ball means you've sinned you're done for so if you're mad at the coach and you don't show up to practice or you you've sinned you're off the team <laughs> you yell at the ref ejected that's the law and what Paul's trying to say is that the game was never about drop balls and being a slow runner. It was about having the freedom and the safety to play the game. And he says that's what faith is. Faith is what it leads us. you got to do something. But faith is faith in Jesus Christ. And he says when we have faith in Christ, we're baptized. It's like we put on the uniform. I have the right. To, I'm on the team. I'm wearing the uniform. And as long as I keep trying and as long as I come to practice, I'm on the team. Uh, for many of us, we've, we've played in sports and so we, we get it. You have to still show up. You still have to try. And when you try, you have to give it your all. Now, your all might not be the same as it was last week, right? You might, last week, you might have really been able to push it. This week, you might not be able to. But as long as you're giving 100% and as long as you keep coming, and even if you say, you know, I'm not really going to come for a while, you show up back on the team right so i think that's what paul was trying to say that that's that's what faith is if we try to save ourselves and we put christ kind of to the side we're gonna fail and that's that's what the law is but if we have faith and we're baptized we put on the jersey we keep coming and we show that we're ready now let's talk about practice let's talk about this faith does it save us or works let's talk about works does it save us well, no, no. And, and by the way, it was never about, it was never about winning the game, right? It was, <laughs> Jesus is the coach. He's the best coach you've ever had. He knows exactly what you need. He knows that maybe as a player, Lori, you need to run laps today. And he looks over at the other player and says, well, she needs to do push-ups today. And for these other guys, they need to take a break and they need to go over there and have a water break. They, we all have different things. He, he knows what we need to make us the best. He's going to say, hey, for you, you're going to have trials of health, but that's what's going to make you the best you can be. And you, you're going to have trials with finances. And you, you're, you're pretty good, so we'll let you coach up. You're the defensive coordinator. But for each of us, he knows what we need to do to be the best and make the team work together. He's the ultimate coach. And here's the thing. He's not in the skybox. He's not up there taking notes and hoping you do well. He's down there in the mud with you. And if you're having a bad day, he's sitting on the bench with you. And he's saying, hey, that's okay. And if we're having a bad day and we're sitting on the bench, we're saying, I'm not, I'm not up to playing today. He might say, all right, sit with you. 
But I like that every once in a while he's going to nudge you and say, hey, do you want to go out for a pass? And then he'll just kind of keep, keep pushing us until we're ready. But we're free now to learn. We're free to try. We're free to grow because that's when we grow. It wasn't about catching the pass. It wasn't about scoring the touchdown. It was about being the best players we could and working together. Have you ever gone to a practice where you're like, is it really hard? You ever had a really tough coach? Uh, I've had some pretty tough coaches in my life, not with football, but with other sports. And, and the best ones were the ones that pushed you. And that's what the gospel is sometimes, right? He's going to say, hey, Lori, you got to be nicer to people. Okay. You got to quit yelling at the ref. Okay. Right? He's going he's gonna to push us. Laps are hard. Uh, doing push-ups is hard. Doing burpees is hard. Right? But it makes us better players. And that's, that's, that's kind of what it is. Um, so I looked at my buddy and I said, well, what do you think about that? Because yeah, that makes, bunch of, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Hey, write that down. Send that to me. I'll try to put it in the podcast today. But Scriptorians, I think that's the relationship that sometimes we miss. Sometimes he was telling the ancient saints that they might have worked too hard on it's the law that saves us. And, uh, and do you know what he says what the law is? He has a couple of great verses that he tells us what the law is. He tells us is the law is just what tells us what sins, what, what sin is. The law is, um, the law is the rules of the game. Have you ever played a game where there was no score? Yeah, they're terrible. It sucks, right? Or where the rules were really convoluted or one team always won and the other team didn't. I mean, if anybody's played a game that has terrible rules, you know it's no fun playing. Well, that's what the law is. The law is good. And Paul loves the law. And he said Jesus loves the law. But the law is there so we know when we've scored. The law is there so that we know when we're on the right track. The law is there to point it out. But it isn't the point of the game. The game is playing. The game is showing up. And so he explains that. Well, what do you think? That resonated with my buddy and I. And we're like, yeah, I think that's the difference between faith and works and the atonement and us participating as members of the church, as being members and being on the team. We're all on the team together. Now, how did he say it? Well, he uses an analogy. So I'm going to jump on to the next segment and I'm going to explain it. But if, if you want to zip off, that's okay. But I'm going to jump into chapter four and tell you a little bit about how he does it. So we'll go there next. Let's, uh, so flip open to Romans four and let's see if we can make this analogy. He's going to use it with Abraham and the law, but let's go out there and see if we can make sense of it. All right. So, um, first thing to remember. So let's take a step back, rewind for a second. Let's see if we can reset. When he's explaining this uh, to Romans, it's we're not sure who the audience is totally, but we talked about it that it was probably the believers in, Ju in Jesus, so they're Christians. Some are Jewish, some are Greek, some are Roman, so the Jews and the Gentiles. But they're all believers in Jesus, and they just have a different understanding for how this works. Does that sound like us? Yeah, that sounds exactly like us today. So, okay, so far applicable. And then Paul tells them, uh, just to recap the first couple chapters, that, that God kept up his promises that he made in his covenant in Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. So this was a little bit of a twist. Maybe they hadn't put that together. That they were saying, hey, I was hoping for these covenants to be done. Um, go back and listen to the last podcast and we go through that. But he's reminding us in chapter one that all of the Gentiles, um, that, that Jesus is the, the covenant justification of, of uh, God's righteousness. It was God made good on his promises through Jesus. And he explains that. 
And then he backs it up and he says, okay, all Gentiles, all the nations, sometimes called the nations, but the Gentiles, all those non-Jews are guilty of sin. And then he specifically calls out some sins that are an affront to family. Um, but he basically says they're, they've been idolatrous, they've sinned, and then he has some sexual morality and things like that that he talks about. That's in, in chapter 1, about 18 through 32. And so right when you're like, oh, those darn Gentiles, oh, the dummies, <laughs> he flips the script. Oh, yeah, you think, yeah, but actually, he goes to chapter 2 and he says the Jews are even more guilty. And they've been sinful. They're more guilty because they had the law, they had the Torah, they, they knew better, they had the rules that they could have lived happier, better lives, but they blew it too. And that's most of chapter two. And he goes on to explain some of the stuff they've done. So right when you're feeling bad, he, he breaks them back up and he says, okay, so all have sinned, but there's good news. And that we can all be declared righteous. What is that word? Justified. We can all be made clean. And the new justification is family. So he jumps to chapter four and he starts to talk about Abraham. And, you're, and I'm like, whoa, what? We were just, I was following what you were saying, and then all of a sudden there's this weird story of Abraham. But remember, he's talking to people who believe that Abraham was the ultimate, right? He's the ultimate father of the family, and he was accounted just and righteous. And so he, how did this work with him? So if he, if Paul can point out that it worked for Abraham and this law of faith, then, then he'll have us, right? So he's going to reel it back. And what he does is he goes, he takes chapter 4 of Romans and chapter 15 of Genesis and he parallels it and he has almost a hyperlink I'll point it out but he hyperlinks back to a verse a couple of verses and if you're not super familiar with Genesis 15 you'll miss it so he's this is what he's gonna do he's gonna say remember he's gonna build on the idea that uh, that the law and the actions and works did never make us clean they never did justify us and so he's gonna go back faith is what it was about and he does it by showing um, how faith was what it was for Abraham. And he says, and I'm in uh, chapter four. What then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What does the scripture say? Here's the hyperlink. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Remember, Abraham didn't have the law, right? The, the law meaning law Moses. Moses wasn't going to be born for a long time. Sinai hadn't happened yet. And Abraham hadn't even been commanded to obey the law of circumcision yet. So that, this stuff didn't even exist. And yet it says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted or reckoned to him for righteousness. So he was already justified. He, this justification, this made clean already happened. And it said how? Because he believed God. So check out Genesis 15 through 6 and you'll see that quote, but it goes like this. Abraham's asleep, he has a vision, and the Lord tells him that his reward would be great. And the Lord takes him outside and they look up at the stars and he says, count them. And so can you kind of imagine the sky, a light with all the stars in the sky. If you've ever been out where you just see just a gazillion stars and it's just so shocking and so beautiful. And he says, so shall be your descendants. Now remember, Abraham and Sarah were really old. They were really old and they'd never been able to have child. So put yourself there, you're the two of them. Would you believe it? God takes you out and looks up at the stars and says, look at all of them. You're like a hundred years old, you and your, your spouse. And he says, you're gonna have a child. Um, would you have believed? And verse six says, well, Abraham believed the Lord. This is in Genesis. 
and the Lord reckoned to him reckoned it to him as righteousness. There's your hyperlink. When he went out and promised him this this impossible thing of a child for a hundred year olds, he didn't say what? And he said, No way. He said, I believe. He believed he had faith. And that was what made the difference. He was super old, but God promises he'll have a family, as many as the stars, and Abraham believed. So back to Paul. Paul says again, for Abraham was for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. And what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. He believed, he had faith, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So Abraham, Abraham was all about faith. It was the same for him then. He was blessed by God, not because of something he did, but because of faith. Then Paul uses another Old Testament example that his audience would love, right? Like who's the, the super star of ancient Israel? David. So he uses another example and he says, David, it was the same. And then he goes back to Abraham and says, you guys, if you don't believe it was about faith, here's another example. And he goes back in 4.13 and he says, for the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it, if it is the adherents to the law who are to be their heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no violation. Then jumping down to 18, hoping against hope, he believed that he would become the father of nations. What a powerful set of scriptures. Abraham believed hope against hope. He believed that he would be the father of nations. Verse 23. Now the words that reckoned to him um, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours. It will be reckoned for to us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. Paul saying, these words just weren't for Abraham. These words were for us right? Liken it under yourselves. There it is, right there in Romans. I love the way that Lehi it describes this. It's super clear. So turn to 2 Nephi 2. Uh, Lehi is teaching his son, young son Jacob uh, right before he dies. And you've heard this one before, but see if it doesn't tie out. Uh, 2 Nephi 2, and I'm in 5, and I'm going to read through a couple. And men are instructed sufficiently that they know good from evil, and the law is given unto men. And by the law, no flesh is justified. Or by the law, men are cut off. Yea, by the temporal law, they were cut off. And also, by the spiritual law, they perish from that which is good and become miserable forever. Wherefore, redemption cometh in and through the holy Messiah, for he is full of grace and truth. Behold, he offereth himself a sacrifice for sin to answer the ends of the law unto all of those who have a broken heart and contrite spirit and unto none else can the ends of the law be answered there's our key the savior has offered himself so we can come with a broken heart and contrite spirit and our faith leads to faithful action he then goes on to explain some other complicated things but he he goes on to kind of reset and he says hey this justification of faith creates a new humanity and he talks about Jesus being this new Adam it's like a reset like Adam 2.0 uh, but one without sin and death and remember we're all part of Adam's family so at our baptism we become dead to our old life and reborn to our new life and he says something important 
the new family of Christ. We become the new family. He says in, uh, so jump all the way to 8 in Romans 8, 14. So now as a part of this new life, we have a new family and the spirit. For all who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. So he's saying when we get baptized, when we have faith, a contrite spirit, a change in ourselves, and we join in with him in baptism and we receive the spirit, we become a new family. We're now part of the team. We can put on the jersey and we're in. And he says, this is what resets it. So the law is good, but uh, and it uses this analogy, kind of reminds me of like a magnifying glass. The, the law helps us look at what's below, right? It points it out. But if you hold it, the magnifying glass too hard, it burns you. <laughs> the lock is kind of a catch-22, right? It, it makes it so we know what sin is. But this new Messiah lets us love. His spirit lets us, we're free to love and to, to love our neighbor and to love God and to show up to practice and try and drop the ball with no fear of, of these terrible consequences that the law pointed out anymore. We are free on the team to learn and try and strive. And, and now we're part of the family. So... Remember when I told you in verse in chapter one and two where he kind of pointed out that some of these sins against the family were so strong, uh, these morality issues. It, I think he's tying these in that that's why they're so bad. They're about our, our our family, and this is all about being part of God's family, and so that's why it's so vital and so important. But I think he's tying it in now. After eight, he changes gears. After eight, he changes gears a little bit. And he goes on and he's saying, well, what did we forget about Israel then? If this is how this is supposed to work, where's Israel? And, and Paul goes on to explain that it, there were lots of faithful members of, of Jews that have become Christians. And then he, yeah, there are some that haven't, haven't accepted Christ. And, and remember, Paul was one of these not very long ago. So he gets it. And he was a Pharisee. He was like the super law guy. I mean, if anybody liked law, it's the Pharisees. And so he gets where his brothers and sisters of Judaism are coming from. And he says, no, God will remember Israel. And then he will remember them in the past. And he talks about uh, Pharaoh and he talks about um, God remembering the covenant back then and the golden calf and the stories there. And then he talks about Israel in the present. And he gives this great analogy of an olive tree. He says, Israel's like an olive tree. And we, uh, the Jews that aren't believing, well, they're kind of like they got cut off. Uh, and then there are these new believers, these Gentiles, and they're grafted in. Does this story sound familiar? Yeah, it's a similar analogy. He says, but now this, this new tree, this new olive tree is like a new family. And this new family is the church. And we have way more in common than we do differently. And so whether we have differences, cultural differences, for them it was circumcision and the law of the Sabbath and, and kosher laws. You can keep all those things, but they aren't the most important thing. And if you don't keep those things, that's, that wasn't the important thing. The important thing is that we're all on the same team and we're all Christians together. And so I really like this. It, it kind of seems like we have that problem today. I mean, if you're different, everyone always tells me they're different. I've had two or three different people from my friends say, you know, I think I'm the black sheep of my ward. You know, I just don't really fit in. You know, 
me and my family, we're just different than everybody else. And I have to tell you, we're a pretty homogenous neighborhood here in Salt Lake. And I feel like I'm the weird one. I mean, I'm the single one and I don't have any kids and I like Diet Coke and energy drinks and I swear and I, you know, whatever. But I'm like, I'm the weird one. You guys seem super normal to me. But what that points out to me is, man, we all think we're different. And I think the Lord's saying, I don't care. I don't care if you come with tattoos and long hair. I don't care if you served a mission or you didn't. I don't care if you have two kids or four kids or don't have any kids. I don't even care if you like kids. What I care about is that you're here together on the same team and you're focused on the right things. You're focused on love. And love is the ultimate thing. It fulfills the law and love is what Christ is trying to teach us and it unifies us in the church. And that was the point of Romans. This fractured church who misunderstood and the things they broke apart, he explains how we're all on the same page with the atonement. And he explains that it brings us all together. Wow, Scriptorians, Romans. I think we're done with Romans. It's powerful. It's awesome. It is worth your study. It takes a little bit of study. But I think Romans tells us that we are all on God's team as long as we keep coming to practice and that it unifies us and he accepts come with what you brung and he loves us and keep on trying and that's what's going to get us to the end and that is the letter to the romans